Transportation Matters, the CEO podcast of Daimler Truck. Welcome to Transportation Matters. My name is Martin Daum. I'm the CEO of Daimler Truck, and I hope all of you are well and healthy. Thank you all so much for being with us again. I would like to kick off today's episode with one of the guiding principles we have at Daimler Truck. This principle is called, we start with listening. It means when we tackle something new, we do not jump to conclusions right away, but we want to dig deep into that matter and really understand it. In vehicle development, for example, we listen very closely to our customers. We listen to them to deeply understand their needs and requirements. And in business lingo, such cooperation is called co-creation. And our experience clearly shows co-creation leads to better results, that is better products and services. And it's not only products, yeah, it's services as well. So this concept is very powerful. Co-creation is all the more important when manufacturers and customers enter some completely new terrain, like autonomous driving. And this is our topic for today. We want to talk about the power of co-creation and how we can use it to unlock the full potential of autonomous driving. I am glad to have the perfect guest for this discussion with me today, Sherry Sanger. Sherry is Executive Vice President for Marketing and Chief Marketing Officer at Penske Transportation Solutions. Penske is a US-based provider of global transportation services and a longtime Daimler Truck customer. Sherry joined Penske in 1998 after having started her career at General Electric. She is what you would call a true industry veteran and transportation expert. In addition, Sherry has long been committed to social projects promoting women, diversity and disadvantaged fellow citizens. Sherry, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, it's great to be here. Yeah, and Sherry, we do this show in English, but while preparing, I realized I could do this show with you in German as well, which always really excites me that an American is learning such a difficult language like German. I'm really glad that I only had to learn English and got uh, German with my birth, but learning German must be really difficult. What motivated you to go for such a difficult language? That's a great question. Well, in high school, you had to pick a language, right? And so I picked German, but the backstory is that my grandmother was from Germany. And so I think that's what piqued my interest early in the German language. And I often heard her speaking German. And I think there was just some natural curiosity there of, hey, I wonder what adult conversations are going on that as a young person, okay. I could really listen to if I learned German. So I took it in high school and uh, I really fell in love with the German language. I did an exchange program um, in high school, fell in love with the German people, the culture, and just really um, loved learning that. So when I got to college and they said, major in something that you love, um, it seemed very obvious to me to take up German. 
I will point out that I did end up back in business school a little bit later um, to add to that knowledge as I was building my career. But it was really, truly a, a, a tremendous foundation. When you compare the two languages, what do you like at German and what was the most difficult part you had to overcome learning German? Well, with German, I think it was all the tenses <laughs> <laughs> with um, conjugating the verbs and all the tenses and so on. And um, but actually spending time in Germany, I spent time in Germany in high school. I spent time in college. I um, worked there for a bit after college before I entered graduate school. And that really helped enormously when it becomes a little bit more intuitive then. So I had some great teaching, but putting it into practice really, really helped. Okay. And where do you use it today? Reading German books, listening to German podcasts, or just doing the occasional vacation? Auto. Yeah, right. It's so, it's so much easier today to have access to German. So I was in high school in the 80s, so that dates me just a little bit now. But at that time, it was it was kind of hard to get your hands on things. It was mostly books at the time. So today it is so much easier. But part of my learning came from also when I was in Germany, I would watch movies that I already had seen in English and I'd watch them in German. And that helped me um, build my language skills. But yes, today I enjoy using it when I've been back to Germany when I travel. That's a lot of fun, of course, putting it into full use again. But yeah, I do a lot of reading um, and really enjoy that. I enjoy literature and I still enjoy German literature as well. Okay, but let's get to our topic. We have co-creation and autonomous driving. As we come to our autonomous driving in a couple of minutes, let's start with co-creation. I mean, it's a word, and I thought about it. When we use it in German, we say co-creation. I don't even know what that word would mean. There's certainly a German translation for that, like Zusammenarbeit or Gemeinsam Gestalten. But it does not sound as cool and hip like co-creation. So if you hear co-creation, what comes to your mind? It's certainly a lot shorter of a word and easier to roll off the tongue, right? <laughs> you know, with co-creation, I feel like it's this concept that pushes against the idea of the lone creator, right? And a lot of times when we think about innovation or creation, we think of somebody kind of sitting in a room and all of a sudden a light bulb goes off yeah. or they have this aha moment. Yeah. And I think so often in business, it's about the fusion of ideas is where great ideas come from and where we have different perspectives that are coming together. For me, co-creation brings a bit of that. And I feel like in other areas in the world, like this has been going on for a while, right? So in the world of architecture and design, participatory design has long been a trend where they bring the people in, they're going to actually be using the spaces um, that they're designing. And I feel like co-creation is this really unique concept that we've been using that helps us bring those different perspectives and voices into the process when we're creating, which enables it to be a little more impactful, maybe than what any one of us could do on our own whether it's us as individuals or us as organizations. I agree with that. When I started, I said we have, we developed a couple of base principles for Daimler Trucks where we really want the entire organization as a cultural foundation. And we start with listening as an important one. It's certainly an important one in any kind of team environment, but it's for me an extremely important one when talking to your customers. And then uh, co-creation came up for me, uh, not just for product, not just for 
for technical innovation. It's more like understanding a problem. It's not so much about what the solution to the problem is. It's understanding the problem, you know, in which direction. And therefore, services is important for that. Do you use it with your customers as well? It's a concept we have been using with our customers. So in areas like interactive experiences and the design of experiences for our customers. So we're a service brand. So we um, we don't really have a product um, that we bring to market, but rather we embed different services in our offerings for our customers. And we've found that um, creating with them gets us a lot more relevance and impact and time to market than maybe historically where we would go solo. And so an example would be when we did some of our work on the digital experience and when we were building um, some apps and tools for our customers, we actually invited them very early on into the process. And that's been incredibly impactful. And of course, we have a more recent example with your team on electric vehicles. It was just an incredibly impactful experience um, for us and for our customers. What was the biggest aha moment for you or where you have the feeling you had an impact on us when it came to electric vehicles? Yeah, so the interesting thing about the electric vehicles work is it sounded like a good idea when we started it. But as the work unfolded, I felt like the value just increased exponentially as we worked together. And I recall um, a visit to Portland when we were visiting with the team and the electric vehicles that we had been running in Southern California. So these were the pre-production vehicles uh, that your team provided us with. And we were running them in real world conditions with real freight in Southern California, um, just experimenting with them and seeing um, what the range is and how they charge and so on. But we had brought the vehicles back to Portland and the team was debriefing together. And that was a real privilege to get to see that that day. Because what was so unique is, is they were all huddled around the vehicle and they were looking at the wear and tear on the vehicle and how they might have to maintain it. And, you know, they were discussing all of the different learnings that they had. And the most unique thing that stood out to me that day is if I hadn't known um, who each of them were, I might not have known who worked for which company, mm -hmm. who worked for which organization. It was truly this team, like really working together. And what really struck me in that moment is it was about progress together. It was about taking ideas forward and learning together. And it wasn't necessarily about that traditional sort of seller-buyer relationship that happens. It wasn't about selling a product and buying a product. And the electric vehicles are an area where there were a lot of unanswered questions. Um, and the teams were working to solve those together. So so I thought that was um, one of the most impactful things, just seeing our team's deep experience running and operating vehicles and your team's deep experience um, building vehicles and them sharing and coming at the world from two very distinct perspectives, yet complementary perspectives, um, just created this, well, I guess you could call it this rare air where yeah. great ideas can blossom and take hold. Yeah, and where the listening part potentially is really the core of everything from on both sides, because what I often realize, or if you don't go in a co-creation, a cooperative way to a thing, then you become immediately defensive. And you use the term, which I really like, uh, that is we broke us together because uh, I don't know whether you knew our core principles are for it. It starts with listening. 
we built to solve, but you need to listen first so you know what the problem is, so you can build something that solves something. And then we lead with a long view. Yeah, We want long-term relationships. We don't want the fast sale and the relationship between Daimler Trucks and Penske, I think, is legendary. We have a 25-year-long history as companies working together. And then the last one, and I think that's for me the most important, is we progress together. We are only successful if our customers are successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and we learn on the other side. I remember out of the discussions with your company, I like the principle of ease of doing business. Yeah, I think that is a guiding principle how you deal with your customer. I remember talking to your management and they say they question themselves every day. Would we like to work with Penske leasing or Penske transportation? And if the answer mm -hmm. is no, we would be upset about how difficult it is. And I thought, oops, that is something we can learn from. We have to start similar. Okay, so co-creation to create better products, especially in a transforming world. And now we come to the real big transformation issue where I would say we we both only have dreams about. This is autonomous trucking. Can you share with us your history of autonomous trucking? When did you hear first about it? What were your first feelings? And then how do you develop over the time? It's interesting. I don't know that I can remember a time where we haven't talked about the idea of it, right? Um, so I've been in this industry for 24 years now. And I think, you know, the idea of it has been around for quite some time. And in the academic community, there's been a lot of deep work on this for quite some time. But I think the real energy around it seemed to build about five years ago, where we really saw a lot of momentum around this. And one thing you said earlier really struck me related to this as well, um, when you said we're in it for like the long view. Mm -hmm. And this is really a topic that requires a long view, because I feel like what happened five years ago is there was a lot of hype and energy around it. And there were maybe some things that um, were showy related to autonomous vehicles, right, where we were seeing them do these runs and so on. But the technology is and the complexities on this one are so great that it's going to require a lot of work by a lot of really bright people working together to solve for this one. So I think it's been something we've talked about for a really long time. It's something that's been building momentum clearly for the last five plus years. But it's one that we still have a lot to sort out on, too, um, is how I look at autonomy. A lot of promise. The promise is almost unequivocal on autonomy. It's really about how do you overcome some of the complexities? Yeah, I think the five-year span is a good one. Yeah, because so five years ago, we had the first ideas and then we really got big into it. Yeah, starting with idea and then uh, really going big into it three years ago or so. The one thing I learned is my huge appreciation of how wonderful the human brain is. That is for me the best computer, the biggest miracle. It is fantastic what a human being is able to do. I was recently in a truck. I did a 60-mile run, fully autonomous with a safety driver, certainly behind the wheel. And I'm sitting there and observing everything. But it was amazing how many tasks are necessary to have a safe situation and how many unexpected things can happen. We had suddenly a poor guy 
in the middle of a highway searching for empty bottles and cans with a big oh. sack over his shoulder. And we were coming with 80,000 pounds and 80 miles per hour. And the safety driver immediately took over. And that is potentially the issue. We don't want to take the slightest risks that something happens. But who could imagine a guy in the middle of a highway uh, searching for cans and bending down and have his big sack over the shoulder and, and those things. But uh, for a moment, let's think autonomous is available. It's a real business. It can be done by everyone. What would that change in your company? How would your business be impacted by that? That's a great question. That's something we're actively sorting through and thinking about a great deal. As you pointed out, one of the greatest complexities in transportation and logistics is the unexpected. The unexpected happens a lot. And I, I loved your analogy or, or just thinking on like how the human brain processes. And if we apply that lens for a moment to change in general and transformation in general, it's really interesting because by nature, you know, the human brain um there's a lot of research that shows that as we build more experience in different areas, right, we develop this intuition and these things we do really quickly and intuitively. But it also means it can hinder our lens, right? And it means that um, sometimes it can narrow our perspective. And so I think one of the most interesting things about creating in these domains and spaces and as we think about the future is how do we look at it with new lenses and new eyes? And so that's one thing we're trying to do right now when we think about the possibility of autonomy in the future. How do we not just look at transportation in the past and just apply this new technology and think about it, but rather how do we get different perspectives on the possibility here? So in terms of the impact to the business, we would love for it to solve the driver shortage, right? Um, this is a longstanding problem. It's been, as you know, a challenge in our industry for well before the time that I was even in the industry, but it's much more acute today, right? The demands on uh, the transportation network in general are extreme in terms of just the additional need for goods and products to get shipped right now. Um, and so that's the one that gets thrown around the most, I think. That's not the one that we feel like would change um, in the near term. In the nearer term, we feel like we would get some benefits from the earlier forms of autonomy, we already are. We're already getting um, benefits from the early stages of autonomy, the enhanced safety features that we've been able to put on vehicles, which help prevent accidents, which make the roads safer. Mm, so we yeah. feel like those are immediate benefits. And that's a game changer for us and for our customers as well, right? Accidents we don't want to have, um, no matter what the circumstance, actually. So that's a huge benefit. There's the potential for the savings on fuel, right? If you can take drivers um, and just make them more efficient, if you can take the most efficient drivers and make your average and your less efficient drivers a bit more efficient, we can experience fuel savings that lowers carbon footprints as well. So we see that as um, potentially having an impact on our business. So today, I'd say we're super excited about um, these things that we see nearer on the horizon. You know, some of these earlier forms of assisted driving that help those drivers become more impactful. We're also looking to, how does this change the role of a driver today? Right. So in our industry, drivers um, don't just drive the truck to a distribution center and then drive off again. They're actually not just driving. And depending on the industry that we're serving, the drivers perform a variety of other tasks. And so what happens to those tasks? So those are things where 
actively thinking about as we further automate things inside the vehicle? How does that free up some of the driver's time? But also, how do we handle some of these other tasks? Say they do move out of the vehicle someday. How do we handle some of those other tasks? So in a retail store environment, they are the face to the customer for a brand. In a retail store, they provide a very important role. They're sometimes helping to stock the shelves. They're sometimes talking to the local management in a store about issues that they have or restocking that they need. And so they're handling a variety of data for our customers and essentially creating a link to the customer. And so we're actively thinking about how does that change and how do you capture that kind of data in different ways and how do we support drivers in those roles? So I'd say today it's a lot about um, supporting drivers versus replacing drivers is how we think about it. Yeah, and I would say in our concept for autonomous, I would say would support that attitude because we would take out only the long distance part. We decided clearly to go for what we call a hub to hub concept. That means the local run, which would be up to half a day of driving. Yeah, the picking up the freight and the delivering the freight, the face to the customer will still be a human being out of various reasons. One is what you said, that the driver is doing much more than just driving. Yeah, he interacts with customers on both ends of the freight. But on the other side, out of technical reasons, we strictly focus on on highway because city traffic is a complete different animal mm -hmm. of programming. If it would be only highway, I would say we would be pretty fast ready. It's a send the one mile, two miles to go to highways where we still have to deal with a lot of problems and solve a lot of problems. And I would say that taking the driver out on the long distance might make the life of a driver easier because it's really not fun to stay away from your families for a week or 10 days and live in a 10 square foot space, which is not the nicest one how to spend a substantial time of your life. So it, it might have a benefit for your drivers as well to be back home every evening and still having the fun of driving a truck and delivering freight. Yeah, there's been um, a lot of momentum in the last couple of years of actually designing lanes around some of those um, considerations now and not having drivers drive quite as far as they used to, yeah. right? And giving them the opportunity to be back home at night. That's, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, quality of life for that talent is hugely important. And then I think what stuck with me, what you just said is that uh, autonomous might have side benefits to the normal, even these days, driving. And therefore, we have that uh, autonomous advisory council where you are part of as well. I have one great example. The autonomous truck, when going uphill in the US, you have to put on your warning lights when you drop below a certain speed and you have to take them off once you are faster than that speed. And while driving, and I drive from time to time trucks, this is potentially the mistake I do most often because you think of everything while driving, but not, oh my gosh, now I'm below 35 miles per hour. And this is the speed in this, in this particular state where I have to put the warning lights on. I was in the autonomous truck. That was perfect. You know, the moment you are at 34.9, warning slide on. The moment you are back at 35.1, warning lights off. Don't, no thinking. 
And we thought, oh, this is an easy feature to assist the driver. Yeah. We don't need an autonomous truck. We can put that in every single truck and it will be rolled out at Freightliner in one of our next uh, upgrades of our Cascadias. And when we can kind of take a step back sometimes and just pause and say, hey, how can we make that better today? Some of those simpler things can add so much value in terms of that one impacts safety, that one impacts sort of the quality of the job for the driver while they're in the cab. So enormous benefits sometimes with some of those simple features that we can add. Yeah. And therefore, the cooperation and the co-creation with our customers and with companies like yours are so essential. Yeah? Because whatever the ideas are, we will listen, we will debate them with you and uh we try to put that as much as possible into our products because only if you guys are successful, we are successful. And I will really want that to be a culture of our company. And I know it's a culture of your company. And I would say, mm -hmm. therefore, it's such a great relationship between the two companies. Yeah, we absolutely share that. Just the, uh, as you mentioned before, this notion of listening and um, and working with others to understand. And, and this one offers so much potential for that. So electric vehicles had a lot of potential, um, for sure, for co-creation. But autonomy, the prospect is even greater because the complexities that we're dealing with, when we think about the infrastructure, regulation, state by state, all kinds of things that require several brains to solve for from different perspectives and different actors than just putting the truck on the market, right? To really make the truck most usable for truck drivers and for companies that need trucks, we have a lot of complexities to solve for, to make them efficient to use and to make them easy to use. Yeah, and I could see this autonomous because we save so much time when we don't, because a human being can only drive so many hours and then I needed a 10 hour resting period. So we can use that time for more, uh, let's say, useful things than just someone accidentally at that point of time needs to stop and sleep. We could, for example, stop the truck in front of a city when the rush hour is and wait until the rush hour is over and then drive through the city when the highways are less occupied. Yeah, because we have those 10 hours to spare. I see that every morning here in Portland when I drive to work, there should be a time, I would say, between seven and nine when the trucks, as much I love them, yeah, and it's a lot of freightliners, but at that point of time when everyone heads to the office, they should rather stay in the parking lot and wait. But uh, they can't, <laughs> yeah, because they have to deliver the load. But in an autonomous world where we can plan and have that additional time available, we can potentially do smarter routing for the trucks uh, than we do today, which then would save fuel and uh, less congestion and higher safety would be a great thing. Absolutely. Or when a truck, as we know, this happens in the real world, too, where they encounter the unexpected. So they encounter traffic, they encounter, they get stuck behind an accident. And um, this is where drivers burn hours, yeah. right? And, and yeah. hours of service. And, and then they reach a point where they have to pull over, sometimes where it's not great to pull over, yeah. or it's hard to find a spot, right? So now we're into their safety, the vehicle yeah. safety, yeah, the product they're carrying. Yeah social good, um, but also, yeah, an autonomous vehicle could carry on, right? Despite some of those interruptions that just naturally happen out in the world. 
Yeah, really great. Looking forward to your insight in the council. Looking forward to a lot of discussions with Penske Transportation about the truck of the future. Looking forward to an exciting future of the trucking industry. And thanks so much for our conversation and all the insights you gave us. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate the the partnership for sure. It's uh I think, as you know, our, one of our key philosophies is to just try and be at the forefront of the learning. And you all have been great partners in doing that for sure. And just helping to do that together and uh, to help create a, a stronger future for transportation and logistics to happen in the future. And so we truly appreciate the partnership and the collaboration as well and, and look forward to continuing to be a part of the council. Yeah, thank you so much for your kind words. And with that, I would also like to thank everyone out there for listening. That is it for today. Please join us again for our next episode of Transportation Matters, because transportation truly matters for all of us. Until then, take care and stay healthy. That was Transportation Matters, the CEO podcast of Daimler Truck. If you enjoyed what you've heard, share this episode and subscribe to Transportation Matters on your preferred podcast platform. You can do this by tapping the follow or subscribe button right next to the podcast title. 